Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Carrie Graves. Carrie is from Franklin, Indiana, where she is a nurse practitioner who works with an orthopedic spine surgeon. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to talk to you today. And you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? My journey started on June the 9th. I was brought to intermittent fasting from my cousin, who is also a registered nurse. And she had lost 40 pounds doing it and told me about it and said, you know, you've just got to try it. It works. I was a little skeptical at first. But of course, I bought your book right away and started reading it. It only took me about um, maybe two afternoons to read it. It was a fast read. I knew instantly it was the answer. So I jumped right in. I love that. See, I felt like that too. The first time I heard about intermittent fasting, you know, in my brain, I somehow had registered that it was going to be the answer, but that was back in 2009. And I couldn't figure out that it was a lifestyle for a long time. And it took me a while to get myself together, like five years before I really embraced it as a lifestyle. But I kept coming back to it, you know, and it was way before I understood the science of it. But yeah, you just, you, you're like, okay, this is it. Yeah, I had some success. I really haven't been a dieter. I had some success. We had a Biggest Loser contest. And this was back before I got my, my master's and I was still working as a registered nurse in the operating room and fasting was really easy for me because I stayed scrubbed in and surgeries all day long. And so I often wouldn't take a lunch break and I would, you know, work all my whole shift. And then when I got finished, I would maybe have a little light snack and I'd come home and have dinner. And I did that for this biggest lose contest at work and I won. 
Oh, wow. When was that? Like what, what year? Do you remember? That was right after my daughter was born. So that would have been 2009. Okay. So you just did it. You didn't, did you like, did you consider it as fasting? Did you think to yourself, I'm fasting? It was just, that was the way your workday was structured. Nope. Didn't even have a name for it. Once I read your book, I was like, oh, it has a name. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's what I did. I never thought of that before. You know, people who are standing in that emergency room all, I mean, not emergency room, in that operating room all day. Yeah. You don't say, sorry, I'm going to have a snack. (laughs) Nope. Well, and not to mention, you don't want to have a lot to eat or drink because you don't have the opportunity to go to the bathroom. So I lived in a constant dehydrated state for about 12 years while I worked in the operating room. <laughs> yeah, I bet I, that that brings me back to I'm sure you've watched all the Grey's Anatomy. Do you watch? Have you ever watched those? I stayed away from them because it's too um, not realistic for me. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that I, that makes sense. But I didn't watch it all the whole time that it was, you know, people were watching it and it was so popular. And then after I've retired, I did finally about a year ago, watched the whole thing on Netflix all the way through. And there was one episode where they had like diapers on in the, <laughs> in the operating room. So that I think when they were interns or something, and it, that just brought me back to that. So you were you were fasting as you were in the operating room, but then you were like, oh, there it was. Yeah, and I did it for the contest, and then after that, I don't know really what happened. I just kind of stopped, and you know, eventually I ended up leaving that job to go further my education and. Then during the two years while I was obtaining my master's degree, I left my job. I started working with the surgeon that I currently work with. We were traveling a lot. Windshield time was easily two hours every day. It was a lot of fast food. My daughter was three. And thankfully, my husband was very, very supportive. We were eating, you know, eating fast food. As soon as I got home from work, I was studying because I was trying to get my master's. And basically, I worked, studied, ate, and slept for two years straight. And I gained all of that weight back that I had lost. I mean, it just came on right back. And here I was, you know, not fitting into my clothes, feeling awful, just miserable, and trying to figure out what in the world I can do to get rid of it again. You know, that the biggest loser competition that you were in, was that at your workplace? Yeah, it was just a bunch of us, you know, operating room people that wanted to just have a fun contest. Well, the the reason that I I asked is because we did that also at my workplace, probably right around 2009. I also won. (laughs) I was doing some kind of crazy (laughs) something. It was not intermittent fasting at the time, but I'm a competitive person. So, of course, I gained every bit of it right back after it was over. It's just, you know, we were a bunch of teachers doing it, but I, I was just like, I never thought about the fact that. Because you feel like those of us that are lay people and not in the medical profession, we feel like y'all have it all together, that y'all are out there doing a Biggest Loser competition too. Just, I don't know, I thought that was fun to hear. Oh, yeah, it was it was great fun. But I did get criticized a lot from my coworkers for not taking lunch breaks and not eating all day. They would, you know, it's not healthy to do that. And, it, you know, because th- that's the, and it still is kind of the idea is that you're supposed to eat. It's right. just It's just wrong. <laughs> So did, has the recent New England Journal of Medicine article, by the time we're recording this, it's only been out for less than a month, but by the time it airs, it will have been out for several months. But have people been talking about that at all around you? They have not. Mm-mm, not at all. Okay. Have you seen it? Have you seen that that article? I did. I saw it when you posted it. Yeah. So I went through and looked at it. Yeah. It's unbelievable to me that more people don't know about it. I think it's coming. I think this is the year. I've said that up. Every year (laughs) since, you know, like since the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2016, you know, for autophagy and 2017, I was like, this is the year and then 2018 and then 2019. But I really feel like 2020 is the year. Well, I am trying to do my part. I not only work in the surgery area, I do spine surgery with my surgeon, but I also see patients in clinic. And so I tell my patients, I spread the word. I actually, I have a BMI chart that I have photocopied. And at the bottom, it has intermittent fasting and it has your book and Jason Fung's book. And I just, I have it in a file. Every time I go in and talk to a patient, I have that available to me that I can whip it out and say, here, you know, this is what the BMI chart looks like. This is, 
kind of our goals. This is how I've been successful. I would really encourage you to read this book. It's made a difference with me. I've, I've gotten so many people that I work with started on it. My LPN that I've worked with for about a year now, she's lost uh, 30 pounds. The physician that I work with, the surgeon I work with, he doesn't need to lose weight, but he's actually started fasting for the health benefits of it. Love it. That's my favorite. You know, when I hear physicians who don't need to lose weight, but they're doing, or, you know, someone who's science-minded, like my husband, and they they decide to do it strictly for the health benefits, that always gives me like a little tingle, of like a thrill. Yeah, he loves it, and he's completely on board with it. So it's nice because the two of us both feel the same way. So when we're counseling our patients, we're on the same page, and that makes the patients feel comfortable with the message we're delivering. So we've got to be on the same page with the stuff that we're telling them and, and educating them with. So that's really good. Absolutely. So I, I love that you have that on a handout. That just that also gives me like a, a secret thrill to think that this is a tool that you as a medical professional, a nurse practitioner, you're well-trained, that you would see this as a tool that would help your patients. So thank you. Yeah. And spine patients are a special group of people because they hurt and they can't exercise. The things that they tell me is I hurt, I can't move, I can't exercise. I try to eat as little as I can and I don't lose weight and I, you know, I just can't do it. And so that's the perfect opportunity for me to say, but you can, (laughs) you really can. Right. That's fabulous. I never thought about that, how much pain they must be in. Oh, tremendous pain. Yeah. Cause if you've ever had any kind of little, when I was pregnant with uh, my second son, I had sciatica. So I had pain just for that period of time at the very end of the pregnancy. And it was like debilitating. Just, I can't imagine living with it. You know, that's what I see all day long and it's very sad. And I try to help everybody that I can. And it's a lot out there and it's a lot to do, but I figure I can just chip away one person at a time. And if I can make a difference, then I'll, I'll do my best. So June is when you started, June, June 9th of 2019. So how did your journey start off? Like at the beginning, what, how did you ease in? What was it like? Tell me about that. You know, because I knew how long I was able to go working in the OR, I wasn't scared or concerned about it at all. I really just, I jumped right in. You know, I wasn't one of those people that eased my way into it. I, I can't remember how long my first fast was, but it was at least 18 hours. Wow. You ripped off that Band-Aid. <laughs> For me, I already knew I could, so I just wasn't worried about it. Now, I did watch the clock. I was hungry. I, I'm not going to say it was just like I didn't even, wasn't hungry at all. I was definitely hungry. But what I did was I knew I needed to also exercise. And that is probably my biggest struggle is to stay consistent with exercising with my busy schedule. But when I got to that last hour, when I was looking at the clock, I decided, stop looking at the clock. I would get up and I'd go outside and it was June. So it was nice weather. And I'd go out and I'd walk for an hour. And by the time I got back, my window was open. That's a great strategy. When I um, used to be a teacher and I would come home, it was super easy to wait till I got home from work because I just didn't take food to work with me and I would eat when I got home. But then over the summers, it got a little trickier for me as a teacher. Just like you said, I would start looking at the clock mid-afternoon when I wasn't ready to open my window. So I would run all of my errands. That was like my, my summertime strategy. I would wait until, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go run all my errands now. And then that kept me from jumping right in. Of course, now it's gotten a lot easier. If you stay busy, it really, your mind goes off of it. The, the hungry part of it is just for a second and then it just goes away. So if you just stay busy, it's the same thing. I, I used to be a smoker and I quit smoking the same way. I quit cold turkey. And when I had a craving to smoke, I would find something to keep myself occupied. And it took just, you know, just a a moment to get occupied with something else and to forget about it. And I haven't smoked since I was 25 and I'm 40 now. So that's awesome. It's very much mind over matter. So you just decide you're going to do something and you're like, I am doing it. And here goes. I'm pretty stubborn. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really very much like that too. (laughs) So I totally get it, which is why those crazy diets that I would do over the years, I was like, all right, I'm doing it. And then I would do this crazy thing, but I was determined (laughs) to stick to it, which is why intermittent fasting is so freeing because 
even though it sounds crazy to people that are just hearing about it for the first time, it feels like sanity. Very much so. And I tried to count calories. I couldn't do it. It was too much for me. I can't do it either. And, you know, I think back to all the times that I ever was able to count calories successfully. And those were the days when I was eating nothing but like microwave meals and things that came in a pouch. Like it's really easy to count calories when you're looking at a box and writing down, you know, off your microwave meal. But it's impossible to do when you're eating real food. And, you know, because people are like, well, how many calories do you eat? That people ask me that all the time. And I'm like, I really don't know. And people have requested that I just at a, I don't know, I guess they just want to know how many I eat. Like, would you just do it? For, and I'm like, no, I don't want to. But I'm not sure how much butter I put into this dish or let me stop and weigh this apple that I'm getting. <laughs> you know, it just it's too hard. So, yeah, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And like I said, it encouraged me when I was doing it to eat more processed foods because they were easy to count. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So how, how did the weight loss go for you? So I started at 189 pounds and I was bound to determine I was not going to hit the 190 mark because that was exactly how much I weighed right after I had my daughter. That was my heaviest weight. And here I was back to that and obviously not pregnant. So <laughs> I was bound to determine I was not going to hit the 190 mark. So I jumped right in and actually the weight came off pretty fast for me. I know I watched the Facebook posts and ever people get so frustrated. And I don't know if it was just because I was so insulin resistant that correcting that made the weight come off faster. Along with I exercised. You know, I was walking a lot, but it, it came off pretty fast and it took me about five months to lose 25 pounds. That's great. That's a great pace. And now I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between 25 and 30 pounds for the last month or two, I would say. And I'm kind of like, kind of plateaued, but I haven't really pushed any longer fasts either to kind of get me up over the hump again. And it was also just the holidays. True. So I think a lot of people plateaued <laughs> over that, you know. Yeah. Well, not to mention June was when I started. July was my 40th birthday. So I went through my birthday, through Thanksgiving, through Christmas and New Year's and continued to lose that weight. So I felt very successful doing that in those six months. What day in July is your birthday? July the 5th. Okay, I'm the 23rd. I was just curious. I knew you were a Cancer. <laughs> I saw that you were a July birthday. No, I'm Leo. I'm the first oh. first day of Leo. Oh, you're a yeah. Leo. Yep, I'm the first day of Leo. I'm right on the cusp. Some sometimes it'll say Cancer, but very rarely. Usually it's always Leo. Very good. But yeah, Leo. I think Leo fits me a little bit better. The loud kind of <laughs> personality. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. It's you know it's over the over all those celebrations and you lost the weight pretty much quickly at the beginning. That's awesome. I also wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that you really didn't have a dramatic dieting history. This is true. I have not ever really tried any of the yo-yo dieting things. I just, I think I'm a lazy dieter. I think that's really what my problem is. I never have been one person to want to go and weigh and measure foods. I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up. Yeah. The closest I got to it was during that one stint when I lost the weight, I would go and buy those little healthy choice steamer meals and I would take those to work. And that was what I ate at the end of my shift before I went home. So that was really the closest I got to it. I just, I couldn't chop up and prepare all that stuff in the beginning of the week to make my week easier. It just, it was too, too exhausting and time consuming. So I'm just kind of a lazy dieter, I think. Yeah, that was me too. Not wanting to put all that effort into it. But that was why I use those packaged foods. And I, like I told the story, I think in Delayed on Deny, when I carried my own little microwave meal to the family dinner, because <laughs> I knew I'd had 220 calories. It was when I was counting calories. Or I might have been fat counting fat grams at that time. But I know that little microwave spaghetti meal had 220 calories and it was fat free. And I sat there and I ate that while everybody else had like lasagna or mm -hmm. regular spaghetti or something. And that was the time my stepmother made so much fun of me. <laughs> and she still brings that up. And I'm like, look, I was doing my best. Well, and that's what society told us to do. That's what, you know, we were being taught by the medical field, by everybody. That's what we were taught. Yeah. And it was just, it was all like uh, I was trying to get a, a handle on it. And it just felt like this is what I have to do. I have to bring my food with me. Yeah, and prior to learning about intermittent fasting, I 
when patients would ask me about weight loss, you know, all I could do was refer them to the bariatric clinic. I didn't have any answers for them. So this has been great. And the bar- the bariatric clinic, you know, I've never been to a, a bariatric clinic, although, you know, if I'd have kept gaining weight, because I was 210 pounds, so I was obese, I'm not sure what the threshold would be for when I would have been considered a bariatric patient, but I know that I probably would have considered it. What do they what do they tell patients who are coming in for the first time? They always start with way of life correction, basically diet correction. So, you know, they always have the patients go through I think a six month period where they try to help correct it without surgical intervention. They do have a health coach and a diet coach. They do try that first. Insurance requires it as well. They have to go through all of these things oh, first before they're candidate. But I have seen trending smaller and smaller people having bariatric surgery, where in the beginning stages of it, when I first started seeing it, it was always the patients that were what I would consider very morbidly obese. Right. Like, wasn't there like a cutoff you had to be? Yeah, I don't know the exact BMI number, but I can tell you that now you're seeing smaller and smaller people having bariatric surgery. And I think it's just because they think it's the easy button. They haven't been successful, but they don't want to do the work either. So they just think I'm going to have this magic cure, you know, and have the surgery and it's just going to all go away. And it does initially. But the problem is, is then I, you know, I've been around long enough to see what happens five years and 10 years down the road and they don't change their way of life and it comes right back. Yeah. But that was the thing that would have appealed to me as well. You get weary from trying so hard and then you, you know, you diet, work really hard at it. Then you have the rebound weight gain. And then you're like, I give up. And that's kind of how I felt when I was 210 pounds. I gave up for a while before I was like, all right, this is it. And that's when I, I felt like intermittent fasting was my last option. Thank goodness that, you know, it finally, finally kicked in for me, but I would love to see bariatric clinics starting to bring in intermittent fasting. Am I just dreaming here? No, I don't think so. I've actually considered, I am friends with one of the surgeons who does the bariatric surgeries and I have considered talking to their health coaches and just kind of picking their brain and seeing how they feel about it. And, you know, if they're, if they're on board, I would love to brainstorm with them to see how we can, you know, get that education out to some of their patients because they want to help people. And they do. However yeah. it is that they can help them, it doesn't have to be surgery. I think they would be on board with it if we can kind of just get everybody on the same playing field. Yeah, I would print out that New England Journal of Medicine article and <laughs> share that one with them. And just it feels like to me, if if I went, you know, for a consult about, you know, wanting to possibly have bariatric surgery and then someone was like, hey, you know, here's something I bet you haven't tried before. Try this. It would just feel like, wow, this is the answer. Well, of course, we know it's the answer we've been looking for, but I wonder how they would feel. They'd be like, no, I want the surgery. Well, but here's the thing. Quite honestly, it wouldn't be something that would make the surgery just go away because they can do both. They're asking the patients to change their way of life. And what the patient wants is a dramatic weight loss. And for some of them, it's a life or death thing. They have to have a dramatic weight loss. And so they can still have the surgery and then incorporate intermittent fasting along with it and have great results, not to mention the healing qualities just from the the health benefits from it. So I think the two can go hand in hand very nicely. Right. And and it would be nice if, if even before the surgery, the intermittent fasting made such a difference that they were like, hey, I don't even need it. That would be the dream. Yes. I actually, one of my very good childhood friends had bariatric surgery and it's been, I know it's been more than 10 years since she had it. And she of course had a very dramatic weight loss and she was exercising and she was following all the requirements. But she told me, she said, Carrie, I could have done this without the surgery if I would have just done what I'm doing now. So she knew it was a reason to change your lifestyle. It was like, that was that flip that said, okay, today's the day I had the surgery. Today's the day that I'm going to change the way I eat and change the way I live. And it just gave her the reason to actually follow through with it and do it. Does she regret that she did it? I think a little bit. Yes, but she has rebounded her weight just a little bit. She's, I would say she's probably back up to maybe 180 pounds where she was down. I mean, she was very thin. I think she was probably 130 or 40 
when she got down to her lowest weight. So she has rebounded back up just a little bit. And I don't necessarily think that she regrets it, but she does say that she wishes that she had changed her life before she had the surgery and just she could have just done it on her own. It's just something that's so permanent. Yes, it is. And that's that's the thing, you know. It's why I've never gotten a tattoo. I know it's a totally different kind of a thing, but it's like you're altering yourself permanently. And, you know, right this minute you feel like this is what you want, but are you going to feel that way in 10 years, you know, 20 years? It's a commitment. So, you know, it might help you right now, but then are you going to regret that you changed your body in some way or another? That That's what I always come back to. It's, it's not, I and mean, I know there's some things that they can reverse, but some of them they can't. Well, and I wonder what kind of, impact it's going to have in geriatric population as far as their absorption later on. Oh, that's an interesting thought. I've never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't looked at all the research, but long-term, I wonder if we're going to start seeing issues with a lot of the patients that have had bariatrics. I would absolutely bet so. So they're going to, there's probably going to be a whole other field of, you know, specialists out there that are dealing with the aging population that have had the surgery. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. But are you at your goal now? Are you where you want to be? I'm not. I am about 15 pounds away from what my goal was. My goal was 150. So I'm somewhere between 160 and 165 right now. So somewhere around 15 pounds still. But I am at the point where my clothes are fitting. I'm buying smaller sizes. They're fitting. I feel good. I feel good the way I look. So if the scale doesn't necessarily move, I'm not all that worried about it. And you really, you know, or have not been at it all that long. No. I mean, six months, it's just been so freeing. And I just, I'm so happy and I'm so happy that you found it first and educated all of us because I just, I, I think you're changing lives and it's wonderful. Well, thank you. And, you know, that's not what I started out to do. That was not my goal, (laughs) but I'm thrilled that it it kind of worked out this way. And sometimes it's a little almost overwhelming to think about, (laughs) you know, but I'm so grateful to have this platform and this book and that it's changing lives because what, what better, there's no better thing, no better feeling to have getting a little, getting a little choked up. I've pre-ordered your new book too. I can't wait to read it. I cannot wait to see that book. It's just really kind of funny because when I wrote Delay Don't Deny, I'm not going to admit how quickly I wrote it. I feel like I was divinely inspired. But when I when I got that book out from the time that I first started outlining it to the time that I had it for sale <laughs> was so much shorter than this process of going through a major publisher. I can't believe how long it takes. You know, I finished the book. I mean, it's it's a over a year from start to finish from the minute that I started talking to the editor to the when the book will be available. And I finished it mid-August. You know, September 1st was my deadline. I had it finished mid-August, submitted it two weeks early, because that's how I roll. And then the whole time we've just been going through this process. And I'm like, can't y'all have it out by January? You know, by the when I finished in <laughs> right. August. I'm like, come on now. I could have it on Amazon next week. <laughs> I can upload that sucker and people could be buying it. But Yeah, we don't get to see all the behind the scenes stuff with books. It's fascinating. I'm loving it. I mean, it is slow, like I said, but I just had the copy edited version get back to me a couple weeks ago. And that is just fabulous. I wish I'd always had a copy editor because wow, they found all the mistakes, everything, and that's awfully nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, June of 2020. So it's available now for pre-order, everybody. Fast, feast, repeat. Look for that. I'm really proud of it. And I think that I do a, better, a much better job getting into the questions that people have. There are a few parts of Delay, Don't Deny that needed more details. You know, especially some of the chapters that needed more information. And we know more now than we did in 2016. Yeah, I do see a lot of the same questions get repeated. So yeah, I think that this book will give us just just a little more education and tweaking and hopefully give people, you know, the results they're looking for. Right. And we we know so much more now. I could not have written this book in twenty sixteen because we you know, some of the science is new since then. So that's what's great. Oh, I'm excited. Well, thank you. Thank you. So everybody run over to Amazon right now and pre-order <laughs> Fast Feast Repeat because the pre-orders really do matter. I'm having a, a call with my editor and my my agent, the whole team to talk about, I don't know how they're going to roll it out. I'm not really sure, but they were talking about the number of pre-orders and that helps bookstores decide 
whether they should order it. If there's a, a robust pre-order happening, then the bookstores are more likely to invest in in carrying it. And you know, it's not just so I can sell more books. It's because I really want this message to be out there in bookstores. You know, I used to go to a bookstore and wander around and pick things up and buy what looked good. And I would like for people to be able to stumble upon Fast Feast Repeat right there in the bookstore. Absolutely. I would love to be able to get to a point where I can maybe order a stockpile of some of these books and even just give them to some of my patients. Well, if you would like to do that, uh, reach out to me and let me know. I have a nurse practitioner in another state that actually she reorders, she stocks up. I have a a discount I could give you. (laughs) So let me know. Send me an email if you ever want to, because I can do that. Absolutely. We can order them in bulk. I have them shipped directly to you. That works. Great. Now, do you use a fasting app? You know, I used to use a fasting app very briefly, and there really, there weren't any. When I first started fasting, there weren't any. And then there were a few, and they were all, you could only pick 16-8, or I mean, you had to like, they were very, very basic. I wanted one where you could start your window, stop your window. I wanted to track my window, not the fasting time. So that's why I had my son create that app for me. And he made it for me in... 2016. And so even though I had been doing intermittent fasting for probably an ear, a year and a half, the app still was useful to me at that point. And I used that app for a good while until I really felt like my habit was cemented. Because a lot of that, those first years, 2014 and 2015 and into 2016, I was still trying to find the plan that worked best for me. I would try 5-2 for a while or 4-3 or you know, have some eating windows. I was really just still trying to tweak it to see what really felt like a lifestyle. And, you know, the summer felt different than the school year, but the app really was helpful. But I haven't used an app for a long time. One year at Christmas, I can't remember which year it was, but I was like, you know, I think I might need the app over the holidays. So I pulled it back out, but I realized I didn't. So do you use an app? I do. I use the Life app. I'm not sure how I came upon that one or if it was just, I can't remember if somebody told me that was the one they used. And I created my own little small group. And surprisingly, I've got 26 people in my group. Now, they don't always fast. I probably have, you know, six to eight people fasting daily with me, I would say. But it's fun. It's, you know, I try to put stuff in the feed so that we can kind of talk back and forth. But it's fun to see that other people are doing it with me. It just kind of, you know, it's like camaraderie. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. That's my favorite part of the Life app, that you can have your fasting circle. 
Yeah, it's really fun. Does your son's app, is it out like to be able to be purchased or? Well, it's the window app and it is out. It's, um, he put it on the, for sale right away after he made it for me. He immediately put it on the app store. But he sold the app in the spring of 2019. He sold it to Daily Burn. And so they've taken it over because Cal was finishing up at Georgia Tech. I mean, I'm really proud of, of his app and, and it was great. It actually put him through school, <laughs> that app, because all the money went to him. None went to me, but he paid his own way through school. I mean, he had a, a, a scholarship here in Georgia. If you have the grades, you get free tuition nice. at the state schools. So he went to Georgia, Georgia Tech with completely free tuition the whole time, which is amazing. But he did have to pay you know, his living expenses. But the Window app allowed him to support himself oh, fully awesome. throughout college. It was amazing. And I was really glad to be able to give that gift to him of, hey, make me an app. <laughs> and hey, it's supporting you, which was really great. But he sold it, sold it to Daily Burn, and they've taken it over. They've changed the structure of it a bit. It's subscription-based now, and so it's a lot more expensive than when he had it and they've changed the format. But I'm still really proud that it's out there. Before he sold it, I was trying to get him to add circle type things. You're not exactly copying life, but I think that that's a great feature because people want to feel that they're doing it together as part of a community. Yes. And it's nice because I've got people doing it that are, you know, out of state and it's so nice to be able to connect with people that way. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's a delay, don't deny life circle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't have the app, so I haven't seen it. But I think there are people out there in a delay, don't deny fasting circle. I don't know how many, but for anybody who's listening, maybe there is. If not, start one. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look too, because, you know, it's nice to support each other and be able to talk and people ask questions. I've had people reach out to me that I haven't talked to in years and they'll text me and say, hey, I, I saw that you're doing this and I have questions and, you know, I talk to him about it and I add them to the app. And it's just, it's so cool to be able to connect with people that way. And, you know, hopefully I can make a difference with at least one person. Well, you are, you already are. I love that so much, you know, that people are, are watching us and they're listening and they, they're also hearing about it other places like the news and it's being talked about. And so... They're like, hey, tell me more about it. And as it becomes more mainstream, we're going to hear more and more of that, more people who are wanting to, to join it. You know, somebody joined the Facebook group the other day, and he said, I've been doing intermittent fasting for two years or something. And he talked about his journey. He said, but I didn't know anyone who was doing it, and I have felt so alone. And then I just joined this group, and now I feel like I'm part of something. And that just really struck a, a chord with me. Yeah, I mean when you're when you're skipping meals and when you're doing that, it's such a there's such a stigma. People look at you like you're an alien. You know, why aren't you eating? It's it's I tell my patients, I say, you know, try not to listen to all that and just understand that it's okay to not eat. It's okay to skip the meal. It's okay. And you know, people still are confused because they're like someone asked, I think this morning or yesterday, why are we not eating breakfast? Isn't breakfast the most important meal of the day? And she wasn't being flippant. She wasn't trying to argue. She was like genuinely like, I have always heard this. Please, someone tell yeah, thanks, me. Thanks, Kellogg's. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's true. It's true. You, know, you dig into the research of that, where that phrase came from. And there was a study. It was about, you know, breakfast and which breakfast, by the way, was the most quote healthy way to start the day. And guess what they found was the most healthy breakfast? Cereal. Oh. <laughs> they they compared cereal breakfast to like eggs and bacon and well, I can't remember what they measured, but the cereal breakfast was was the best one. And that right at the bottom of that study, you see it was funded by Kellogg's. Oh, right, and so right. we, we've taken that. Yeah. And our entire generation or more than one generation has been brought up to believe that is true. And it was completely funded by Kellogg. And my career and learning and my education, it's very important to pay attention to who did the study. <laughs> That's true. So as a nurse practitioner, if you were introducing intermittent fasting to a patient and they said that to you, you know, well, I've always heard breakfast is the most important meal of the day. What would you tell them? I tell them exactly what I read in Jason Fung's book and just say, look, you know, that was 
found by the people that are selling you breakfast. So Kellogg's brought that in, you know, all these little 100 calorie snack pack things. They're telling you to eat multiple meals several times a day, all these little things because they're selling you a product. It's all about sales. So, and they look at me and go, oh, aha. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and how many of them say to you, oh, that's how I used to naturally eat back when, you know, when I was a teenager or when I was young. Does anybody say that to you? No, not necessarily. Most honestly, most of my patients say that they don't hardly eat anything. You'd be surprised how many people say that. They say, I barely eat anything. I don't eat and I don't know why I'm gaining weight. And so then I kind of pick a little deeper into, okay, what are you drinking? What are you, all these other things. And you know, when they first initially say that, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. I couldn't possibly skip a meal. I actually write out a timeline and I say, okay, so, you know, what time do you eat dinner? Okay, it's this time. Well, what time do you go to bed? And I actually write it out on a timeline and I kind of come up with a little mini plan for them. Oh, that's fabulous. And really a lot of it is just changing what they're drinking. You know, I was talking to a friend yesterday who um, says, well, I, I really just only eat dinner, but won't give up creamer in the coffee. Yep. Has that all yep. morning. I'm like, look, you can do it. And he's like, no, I can't. I can, cannot drink my coffee black. And I'm like, you can, you can, you can do it. And he's like, I can't. I'm like, all right, well, then take a caffeine pill. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you can do this. It's just really that one little shift. And people don't realize when you're drinking coffee with creamer all morning long, you know, for hours, that is keeping your insulin up. Oh, yeah. Luckily, I'm not a big coffee drinker. I never have been. I will drink cold brew coffee occasionally if I just am feeling like it, but I'm not an everyday coffee drinker. So luckily, that wasn't too much of a hurdle for me. I really love to drink water and I drink a lot of water and I've never really been a big soda drinker either. Now I was when I was in college when I was younger, but in my adult life, I really have not ever been a big soda drinker. So luckily, that wasn't too much of a stretch for me. Yeah. If if someone's been drinking coffee a long time and they're used to it that way, it really is a big hurdle for many. So it's good that it wasn't for you. If we could just have a dollar for every person who said, I can't drink black coffee, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we would be <laughs> bazillionaires rich, because right? <laughs> so rich because that's the hurdle for so many people. It's what, what to drink. And, you know, people say, I hate plain water. We hear that so much. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I just tell them, give it a try, give it some time, and believe it or not, you will get used to the taste of the water and you won't like the sweet stuff anymore. It will change. You just got to give it a little bit of time and know that it's better for you. You've got to make a a conscious decision that you're doing this for your health and you just got to give it a chance. That's very true. And, you know, I said on the podcast at some point, it might have been the other podcast, I said, you know, think of that if you're if you're trying to make the switch to black coffee, if you're someone who loves coffee and you want to do the black coffee, think of it as your medicine. I mean, it's fine to give up coffee completely and, and not even have coffee. I'm not saying coffee is required, but think of it as, okay, I'm going to have this black coffee. I'm just going to get through it. And then eventually your taste buds will adjust. Yes. Yeah. And then you will be like, what was the big deal? <laughs> yeah. When I did drink coffee, not that I drink a lot, but when I did, I did add sweetener and cream and all of those things. And I think that's probably why I don't drink a whole lot of coffee because I don't really care for the taste of black coffee as much. But I did find that cold brew coffee is very different. The actual true cold yeah, brew, it it's not as bitter. The, you know, the pH is different and it, it's very tolerable for me. Do you make your own? I don't, I don't have, I don't have time for all that. (laughs) I get it. No, I get it. It probably doesn't take much time. I've never made it either. I've never tried to make it. I think you just like throw it together and let it sit there. I don't know. Well, you do, but you have to strain out the grounds and the coffee grounds. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that's the surgeon I work with has tried (laughs) to do it. And he, he said that it's a lot more time consuming than he originally thought it would be. Okay, because it seems like it would be easy in execution, but you're right, those grounds, that's why I can't do a French press. People who are, are like, oh, a French press, it's the best. Yeah, I tried to do a French press, and I'm like, what do you do with all this this grounds? <laughs> and so I just put the French press back in the cabinet, and I don't use it. I only use the French press now. If you ever accidentally brew coffee and grounds get over the filter and get into your coffee, 
I'll use the French press to clean up my coffee. That's that's all it's good for to me. Yeah. And then not to mention, sorry, French press <laughs> users. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get emails and messages from people telling me the proper use of the French You're going to get press. more education about it than I can't you do ever it. thought of. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I hadn't been able to make that but work. But also <laughs> when you do the cold brew like that, also it's a concentrated amount. So I don't know if people realize that, but cause I have done some research on it and it's very concentrated at that point. So then you actually have to get the right dilute it. Yes. Get the right dilution. So there's a lot more to it. It's so much easier to get on Amazon and just order some cold brew coffee. They sell it. <laughs> That's good. And my, my suggestion for anyone looking for a bottled product, and this is for both cold brew or for tea, look for one that doesn't have anything else in it other than coffee and water because they add all sorts of crazy things. There's one brand, I'm not going to say it by name, but there's one brand that adds a proprietary secret ingredient. They call it natural flavors or something. And I am actually convinced it's some kind of sweetener because people love this brand. And they're like, it is so delicious and much better than the others. And we've had people try to email them to find out what it is and they won't tell them which is never a good sign where they're like, no, we can't tell you what that is, but it's a natural flavor. So (laughs) I would steer very clear of that, that brand, anything that has anything added beyond coffee and water or tea and water. That's my, my gin tip for the day. And even citric acid, they add that to a lot of teas and we don't really know the origin of how they're making that citric acid, but it adds a tart sour flavor like lemon would. So Keep looking for something that doesn't have the citric citric acid if you can. It's not always easy. You have to read those labels. I have become a label reader, and it's enlightening to find out what is actually in the products that we're putting in our bodies. And it's really surprising because you would think it would be easy. Coffee, water. How hard can that be? It's everywhere you turn. Every I could spend hours in the grocery store looking at labels. It's have you always been been a label reader with your food or is that something that this come on? No, that has actually come on in my clinical rotation. I did a clinical with a functional medicine doctor. She's awesome. And I really didn't know very much about functional medicine until I did my... Tell us a little bit about it real quick, because I know people are... It's more of a holistic view. This is a... She's an MD, but she does not jump to the Western take a pill for it, you know, she really focuses on the cause. What is the cause of the disease and try to fix the cause rather than react to symptoms, just try to treat the symptoms. Yes. And so that's what she does. And functional medicine doctors are hard to find, but luckily I was able to do my rotations with her and I learned so much. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know what insulin resistance was until I did my rotation with her. Wow. And so she taught you about that and she works to really, I I can't remember what I read. There was an article, I think it might've been from psychology today and it might've been like a year or two old, but someone shared it. And then I shared it on my Facebook wall, but it was talking about insulin resistance as the root of like everything. Yes. I mean, literally not everything. I mean, it's not like why your spinal cord is in, you know what I mean, but it's the root of so many of the things that people have going on. Yeah. She's very much diet, diet, diet. She does a lot of allergy testing, food allergy testing. She's really passionate about having gluten products, all of those things that contribute to insulin resistance. And the things that I saw that she was making a difference with her patients just by changing their diet was so eye-opening. And what, did, what does she tell people? How does, she, how does she counsel her patients? So first, she usually starts by allergy testing them and finding out. So she'll do like an elimination diet with them most of the time. She allergy tests them, see what they react to, and then slowly add things back in. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. 
Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Yeah, that's a great way to pinpoint what could be what could be causing you problems because people don't even know. You know, if you're eating, especially if you're eating frequently throughout the day, you may not realize you're reacting to something and having bad outcomes till you get rid of it and then bring it back one by one then you can really pinpoint it. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that was a problem. Yeah, it's, uh, I learned so much from her and she's awesome. So good experience. How did, you, how did that change how you eat after going through that with her? I very much reduced the amount of carbohydrates that I intake. And I tried to more balance protein and carbohydrates to make my, I guess, weight loss a little bit better. Again, I'm not a calorie counter. I'm not one of those people, but I do just kind of pay attention. What am I putting in my body? Is this balanced or not? Is it, you know, just trying to make good choices. So, you know, just trying to have enough protein, enough greens, enough just in general, just have a balanced nutrition, especially when you eat one meal a day, you kind of need to eat well. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, the other day we went out to eat and I had a meal that was not window worthy and it also was not nutritious. And then I was like, blah, <laughs> why did yes. I eat that bad meal? It wasn't, when I say bad meal, yes, it's the meal you would think of if I said, here's some bad food quote. And I don't like to give food, you know, good food, bad food, but it was a bad meal. And because I felt bad after I ate it. So I don't have any judgment towards food, except that like I'm really mad that I ate the food that made me feel bad. <laughs> I did that the other day. One of the sales reps brought in lunch in the operating room and not in the operating room, but at lunchtime. And I was right at 16 hours and I thought, eh, I haven't had lunch in a while. I'm going to go ahead and have lunch. So it was Mexican food and which is always delicious, right? Right. I didn't eat the tortillas and stuff. I really just put like meat and cheese and, you know, lettuce and that kind of stuff and just ate it kind of like a salad on a plate. And when we started our next case, I could not stop yawning. I was so tired. I, I laughed because I was like, this is why I don't eat lunch. This is why I do this. It just, it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> I totally remember having days like that at school when we would have something special. And then I would think back and think, and the food wasn't really that good anyway. There's just something about the fact that you, you can open your window, you can, and so then you do, and then you're like, well, why did I? I could have, but I I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing shouldn't. that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And you'll do it again. You'll do it again, and then you'll say, why? <laughs> it, I'm a very slow learner. I've had to do that a million times. Sometimes, though, you're glad you did it. You know, when I was in Portland in the fall, I ate two meals a day and I was a little draggy in the middle of the afternoon. I didn't care because it was food I wasn't going to be able to have again. It very much solidifies why you're doing this for the long term, though. It reminds you. Right. That's really true because you don't want to ever feel that way all the time. And, you know, if you gradually stopped doing it, you would gradually, I think, start to feel worse and worse and worse. You don't realize how bad you feel. I I never realized on a daily basis how awful I felt until I didn't anymore. Yeah, that's profound. You're right. We don't realize how bad we felt until we don't feel that way anymore. And then if you if you dip back into it, you're like, oh yeah, that's how I felt. And then you remember. And I remember having to have those afternoon pick me ups. You know, after the the lunch, I needed a mid morning pick me up. Heck, I always needed something to pick me up because I was just going on that roller coaster, that blood sugar up and down, up and down. Oh yeah, I was drinking energy drinks in the afternoon just to you know keep myself going. Oh yeah, and I was I drank coffee all day back then, like caffeine coffee. I I constantly was drinking it. I could drink it at night and I would be fine. Now I'm I don't drink as much caffeine. I don't drink caffeine after about noon. 
I really don't drink much caffeine at all. You just, it's not something your body, yeah. No, and I have so much energy. I don't even really need it. That's great. I don't, here's the thing with me. This is what's interesting. I don't need it to have energy. It actually, I have that ADHD type brain. And I actually did an experiment. It was back when that YouTube video came out or like the podcast where they're like, oh, even black coffee is bad for a fast. Don't drink the black coffee. And I'm like, well, let me experiment and see how I feel leaving it out. And I did feel foggy, but not like I needed it for energy. It was like I had more trouble with with thinking because that ADHD brain, when you have the stimulant, it actually calms our brains. Right, right, right. It makes it easier for us to focus. So then I added the coffee back and I'm like, oh, I feel better. So it's my ADHD <laughs> medicine. That's what I, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's right. Well, everything in moderation anyway. I'm, I'm a firm believer in moderation. Yeah. And then I stop, you know, after afternoon I'm having right now, I have a mug of hot water sitting here, even though it's hot and muggy, I'm still enjoying it. Besides the weight loss, have you had any other positive health changes? I think the energy is probably the biggest, just having so much more energy. And I, my house gets cleaned better. My, you know, I get my tasks done. I just, i I feel like, and maybe it's because I'm trying to keep myself busy through a fast too, but I'm getting things done more often and more quickly, which is kind of nice. That's true. When I was working on the book and it, I would be, I had like an, every day I had a set writing goal and I would be working, working, working. And then my husband's like, uh, are we going to have dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was so busy. I'm like, I really just didn't even, if it wasn't for living with someone who needed to eat, I probably would have just kept working, but you're right. We can just get so much more done in the fasted state. And I'd say maybe the other, you know, non-scale victories, just the connections that I've made with people through this journey and, you know, friends and family too. I've got my parents fasting. My husband finally started fasting after about six months. He finally gave in and he started fasting. So love it. You know, just the relationships and the connections with people. And it's such a good journey and it's been fun. You know, that's really true. I haven't thought about that, but the relationships that I have formed with people really from all over the world through intermittent fasting. I mean, I feel like I could go to any country on earth and announce, Hey, I'm here and wherever I am. And, and there would be someone from our community there because we're everywhere. I could even in Antarctica, (laughs) (laughs) we have someone stationed in Antarctica who is a DDD. How cool. Yeah, I know. I thought that was amazing. Cause that was like my dream to have someone on all seven continents and, we do. Now I need an astronaut. Yes. <laughs> That's the next. Okay. I want DDD in space. <laughs> I bet people in space actually do intermittently fast. That's probably. They probably do just because they have to. Yeah. I, I would think so. I never thought of that about that before. That's going to be on my <laughs> mind today. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or is there anything you wish you knew before you got started? Honestly, I wish that I would have measured more areas of my body. I measured my waist. Oh, good tip. But I did not measure my thighs. And my thighs lost a tremendous amount of inches. And I have no idea how much. It was very noticeable, even very early on, the difference in my thighs. Just if, you know, when I'd put on a pair of shorts and all of a sudden the leg holes of them are very loose. And I was like, man, I wish I would have measured my thighs. Right. You know, my body shape is completely different than it had been before. It like intermittent fasting changed the whole shape of me. Yeah. The body recomposition in comparison to the scale changes you know, there's just no comparison. So I guess I would tell people take pictures because the scale is not, it's not the answer. And I do weigh, but I don't dwell on the scale at all. Not at all. I take a lot of pictures, a lot of pictures, and I still measure my waist just to see I've lost about five inches. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's huge because really our waist is such a a measure of health. It's an indicator, you know, small waist is linked to positive health outcomes. Yes. And when I gained my weight, my waist and my thighs were the place where I gained. So which also ties in with the, you know, insulin resistance. Right. And I never had a a problem gaining around my midsection until I really just hit that struggle with obesity. And then all of a sudden I had that big belly that I had never had before. I'm so glad that's gone. But yeah, I do keep track of my waist. 
And that also let me know, I measured my waist after Christmas and it let me know I had been having too much wine. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm delaying the wine a little bit. And I know you're a Prosecco drinker too. Uh, That is my vice. I am. I love it's so my good. Prosecco. It's bubbly and you yes. can, it just goes down easy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's my evening treats. Yeah, it really is. And you know, the, I'm delaying it to the weekends for now, just for, for a time, because I don't want to get into the habit of overdoing it, you know, but, and I also think it interferes with my sleep a little bit as I'm going through menopause, but the things we have to tweak, that's you know, right. even I tweak, that's the thing. It's, it's always something you got to pay attention to how you feel and what may not be serving you at this time in your life. Well, Carrie, it has been fabulous to talk to you today. And thank you so much for telling your story. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.